Good morning, Arden First. How is everyone today? Got a few announcements if you'll take out your bulletin. The first one is Lottie Moon. For those of you who have been Baptist Life, you're familiar with Lottie Moon. It's her Christmas offering. And we are striving to raise $3,500 for missions. This money goes to international missionaries around the world, so we definitely want to support that. And Lori's got an announcement for the ladies. been here this is we have something fun for the ladies coming up this week and i just wanted to take a minute to personally invite every lady here to come we're having a dinner like a christmas dinner tuesday evening at 5:30 at pomodoro's and we're doing a scarf exchange just for something fun um you don't have to do that So how do they sign up? Um, they can let me know personally. There's, there's there we go. We can hear you now. Or um, call the church office and we'll we'll get a number. So, and it's on Tuesday, so I guess let us know by tomorrow. All right. So, ladies, remember that. Um, for those of you who are new to our church, we have a special mailbox ministry during Christmas time. If you look out in the breezeway. There was a mailbox for Christmas cards. And so for those of you who are new to our church family, if you would like to write someone a Christmas card, it's filed by their last name. So we want to encourage you to spread the, the Christmas cheer and to remember that. One final announcement is Return to Bethlehem is next Sunday. It's a special Christmas production. Uh, Bob Taylor is leading up this group. If you'd like to do that, you can also sign up for that as well. If you would, please go in prayer with me. Father, we thank you so much that this is a special church, and we thank you for all the amazing Christmas festivities and events, and from missions to women to uh, all that you're doing in this church, we give thanks. We ask and pray now that your blessing would be upon this service, that you would speak to our hearts, and we pray that through your word we'd be forever changed. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So I notice on my pulpit is a breath mint. I guess someone's trying to send me a notification. Do not quench the spirit. So I'll save this for the invitation time. Thank you for whoever gave that. We're going to be in Luke chapter 1. And we're starting our new series, The Songs of Christmas. And when you think about Christmas time, you think of all the Christmas songs. And in Luke's Gospels, there's actually four songs. So we're going to cover each Sunday a different song of Christmas. And each week as we light the Advent candle, we're going to also touch on a different Christmas song. So as you turn there to Luke chapter 1, I have a, a continuation of the story from last week. Most of you heard the story about the Christmas tree, almost got stranded on a mountain, the stress level. Well, we, we got the tree home, and all of a sudden we went to put it in the stand. And you guys remember the stand was broken, so I had to go to my parents' house and I borrowed from them. Actually, I'm going to keep it mom and dad. Sorry. Um, so we, it's a nicer stand. It wasn't, it had much more support to, so we, we stood this tree up and for some reason it bent to the side and I'm like, we, I, I just can't get anything right. You know, the tree, uh, my shoes are all messed up, muddy. They're still outside with mud covered. I haven't got to them yet. 
and uh, the tree is like crooked. It looks like it's going to uh, like the leaning tower of trees. Uh, I, I don't know what's going on. So, so anyways, my wife's like, we got to do this right. You know, let, let's do it. So we take it out of the stand, lay it back down on the ground where it had been for the past few days. And we discover upon investigation that the bottom of the tree trunk was curved. And we're just like, how, how does this happen? So we don't have many, very many tools in my house. So I had this little like Boy Scout saw, like a, one of those hand ones. So I, I got it out and we started sawing. And this is even more hard than the, the saw they give you to cut down the tree. So it's taken like forever. I'm yelling out trying to cut it. I get my wife over there to help me because I'm tired. She's cutting. We're trying to cut this, this tree trunk to make it even. And after we looked at it, I came to two possible conclusions. The first one is it was born that way, you know, a little curve in the trunk. The other possibility is I cut it crookedly. And after I looked at it upon further investigation, it has to be option one, because how can anyone cut a tree trunk crooked? I don't know. But today we're going to talk about how God enters into our crooked world, how everything is really leaning the wrong side, and how he comes to set things right. Not necessarily turn things upside down, but right side up. Today we're going to enter into Mary's Magnificat. And it's called the Magnificat because that's the first word in the Latin song, to magnify, magnificat. We, we magnify the Lord. And if you look at your listening guide, there's a few cultural backgrounds that we understand. Mary's song could be called the Great Reversal. Because her, her song, if, if what happens is going to come true, there's going to be a political reversal, a cultural reversal. Everything in society is going to be turned around. Because at this time, Rome was occupying Israel. So to talk about a savior that's going to come and dethrone the powerful off their mighty thrones and uplift the poor and humble, we could call this song the Great Reversal. So let's look into the scripture and as we look into the scripture, I want to ask you just a few questions. How many of you have ever longed for a better future? Anybody wish your future was better than the present? How many of you wish that your life wasn't so stressful? How many of you, the, the Christmas season can be the holiday blues? Anybody? Well, if you said yes to any of those questions, I just want you to lean in a little bit. Because we're going to talk about how to have a Merry Christmas. Not M-E-R-R-Y, but M-A-R-Y. Merry Christmas. Did you know you can't have a Merry Christmas without who? Mary. So let's look at her song in Luke chapter 1, verse 46. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. For he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. For behold, from henceforth on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his seed forever. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your word. That, Lord, this time of year, when we think about Christmas, 
it, it can be the most wonderful time of the year for many, but for some, it's a sad time of the year. It's a, a time when we think of a spouse that's no longer with us around the Christmas table. We think of a son or daughter that's not there. We think of so many things that can get us down. But God, I pray that we will look at this song of Mary, that Magnificat, and we will think of Christmas differently. So Lord, we ask and pray that you would speak to our hearts, and we pray that we would be forever changed as we look into your word. In Jesus' name we pray, and all God's children said, amen. So let's look at how to have a Merry Christmas. First of all, before we even jump into the text, just a little sneak overview of this text mary sees the world differently than most of us most of us look at the world from the bottom up mary looks at the world from the top down in other words most most people in american culture if life is good they think that god is good if life is stressful they think why is god doing this to me mary on the other hand is this lowly poor servant girl And instead of allowing her circumstances to dictate how she views God, she starts with a view of God, and then she interprets her circumstances. One Bible scholar said it it like this, Mary's theology drives her, her biography and leads to doxology. I'll say that again. Mary's theology influences and guides her biography, her life, and it leads to doxology, to praise. So in other words, we need to start with life. Not with a view of her circumstances, because that can get us very gloomy and depressed. Instead, we look at God first. And isn't that the whole Christmas story, his story? It's a little overview of this scripture. If, if you struggle during the holiday season, and many of us do, and we empathize with you, we, we, we feel the pain with you. If you look at this scripture the way Mary does, you, your Christmas can have a different perspective. Even though you're missing someone this year. Even though you're stressed out this year, uh, this will truly help you. So let's look at first point. Number one, when God moves in the midst of your madness, your soul will burst out with jubilant praise. Look at verse 46. Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord. To magnify the Lord does not mean you make God bigger than he really is. Rather, to magnify the Lord means you focus on God so much that everything seems small in comparison. A lot of times, the reason why Christmas is so depressing for many of us is we look at our problems. We look at our pain. We look at our circumstances. And we, when we focus on that, the holiday blues and depression sadness is magnified. And the joy of the Lord is minimized. Rather... If we would just focus on God and look at him and his glory and his splendor, he is made larger in your perspective and your problems are made what? Smaller. So Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord. Christmas is all about joy and hope. It's all about expectation, looking forward to something. So as each, each week as we light a candle, we look back on the first advent, but as Elaine, Miss Elaine so well said we also look forward to the second advent to his coming because he's coming again so when you think about israel they were under roman occupation they were under horrible times imagine if some country took over america and we were their servants wouldn't that be horrible imagine to add things worse to that imagine if you were poor if if the small town of nazareth didn't grow crops you didn't eat many scholars think the town was so small 
it was probably somewhere between 120 and 160 people. Now think about how that small that is. So Mary, this small nobody from nowhere, says, you know what? I'm not looking at my circumstances. I'm not looking at what I'm going through. I'm lifting up God. And because of that, my whole perspective changes. Amen. So when I look back at Christmas, I think of people who are nobodies experiencing divine breakthroughs, just like Mary did. I think of miracles coming true. Some of you ladies enjoy watching the Hallmark movies. Any of you out there, Hallmark ladies? Some of you guys too. You have to watch it with your wife. But one of the common themes about the Hallmark Christmas movie is something magical is going to happen. Usually it's some woman getting hooked up with some guy getting married, right? Um, You know, typically it's like these, these people fall in love, get married, and live happily ever after. But did you know Christmas is something where the unexpected can happen? You know, it's something where you live in anticipation. I, I, wanna, I had to get permission from my wife to tell this story because I've never told it before. But when Lori and I first met, uh, some of you know my story, I was between jobs, moved back from seminary. I worked at Chick-fil-A for a little while, and then I got a job as a youth pastor. This is in my 20s, mid-20s. And the problem was is I really wanted to marry Lori. I knew after a month, ladies, that I was going to marry her. Can you believe that? Just after a month. I kind of take after my dad. I think they dated five months and got married. Well, after a month, I knew I wanted to propose. The problem is I was on a small youth pastor's salary, and there's no way in the world I could afford that diamond ring. You know, when you think about Christmas, you think about special presents. Well, this happened after Christmas, but my challenge was is I didn't have the opportunity to buy her the ring I wanted, but Something the Lord's given your pastor is crazy faith. For those of you who haven't heard me talk about certain things, you're like, we don't have the money. And it's like, well, God can. So we had this gentleman in downtown Hendersonville to own a jewelry store. And keep in mind, I had no money, just barely enough money to pay rent and gas and take, take Lori out on dates. So I went to him and I sent him this Tiffany of New York's ring. And keep in mind, no money, nothing. I said, I want a ring just like this Tiffany of New York's ring. Can you design it? And he said, I think I can. So he goes to a jewelry show, picks out this crazy diamond. Keep in mind, I don't know what this is. At this point, I don't even think I know the cost. He brings it back. It looks just like the the, the picture I sent him from Tiffany's of New York. And he gave it to me at a crazy price. I mean, it's almost like I stole the ring, how cheap he gave it to me. After I had it appraised, I realized he must have gave it a cost. And I was just blown away by just God breaking through when I, even when I didn't have the resources, I didn't know what I was doing, this young 20-something in love, ready to get married. Sounds like a Hallmark movie, right? And I just stepped out on faith. And one thing God taught me is this. Wherever God guides, he always provides. Whenever there's a vision, there's always provision for the vision. So when I look back at Mary in verse 46, and it's this lowly servant girl. And she says, my soul magnifies the Lord because he's come through for me. I hope you're like me. You have stories where you can look back and say, I didn't have the resources. I didn't have the experience. I didn't have the time. But where I can't, he always can. Where I don't know what to do, God always comes through. Amen. And notice, continuing on, she says, my spirit has rejoiced in God, my Savior. Mary could rejoice not in her circumstances, but in her Savior. As I mentioned, Mary's worldview, instead of down, side, up, it was from the top down. 
And I think for us, our theology, our thinking of God should always inform our life, how we live. And because of that, it should burst forth in praise. It should burst forth in singing and excitement. And Mary sends us something, that a present that we can open up this Christmas. As long as you're focused on a sa- your Savior, it doesn't matter your circumstances. It doesn't matter how depressed, how sick, how, how much you're going through. Because Mary says, my soul can rejoice in God, my Savior. She found her hope and joy in who? In God. And by the way, for those of you who grew up in other denominational backgrounds, Mary needed a Savior. She wasn't perfect, even though some denominations have taught that. It was an immaculate conception, but she was not perfect. She needed a Savior too. And the thing about Mary is she shocks me with her faith. She believes that God can do the impossible. We read through scriptures and Mary says, May it be unto me according to your will, to your word. And say it with me if you know, For with God nothing shall be impossible. So the next time you watch a Hallmark Christmas movie, realize God can do something far more amazing than what you see on the TV. He can do a miracle in your life. Amen. So if you look on your listening guide, it's an application point. How do you have a Merry Christmas when someone cuts you off in traffic? You're shopping at the Asheville Mall, Asheville Outlets. Um, you know, someone cuts you off and you're stressed and anxious. It's never happened to anyone in here, right? When that happens, here's how you can have a Merry Christmas. Realize it's not about the present under the tree. It's the present who came to die on a tree. It's about the Savior. So if we will always remember, even with my crazy Christmas tree stories, the reason for it all is Jesus. And if we can focus on him, our Savior, as Mary starts her song off with, we too can have a Merry Christmas. If you're with me, say amen. That'll make even a First Baptist want to shout. All right, number two. In a world that often appears hopeless, Christmas brings hope again. Look at verse 48. For he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. For behold, henceforth on, all generations will call me blessed. Warren Wearsby says it like this. God reaches out to the helpless, to the humble, and to the hungry. To the helpless, he gives help. To the hungry, hungry, he gives food. He is the bread of life. And to the humble, he lifts up. So something about Mary I never got. You know, from this text, we see about the great reversal, and we get that God exalts the humble and he demotes the proud. But one thing I never got until I really studied this text, notice she said, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. But for the next 30 years, that wouldn't be so. If you read through the Gospels, it's implied that many people gossiped around the small town of Nazareth and beyond that Jesus was illegitimate. You know, the Pharisees and others said, we, we know who we're, we're from. We're Abraham's descendants. We don't know where you came from. So it was, it was, Mary was the type, think about it, gentlemen. If your wife-to-be said, I'm pregnant and it's from God, how, how many of us would believe it, right? It, it happened, it's true, but it took faith to believe in it. But many people in her day looked down upon Mary. You think about it like this, she was poor, she was young, she was humble, and she was pregnant and not married. And so many people in that day, unfortunately, looked down upon her and cast judgments. But look at Mary. She said, from now on, people will call me what? Blessed. So the application I want you to take home with you is right now your circumstances may be a little depressing. 
what you're going through may not be helpful. But like Mary, she prophetically looked into the future. With Jesus' debut of his ministry, his miracles, and especially after his resurrection, from then on, we look at Mary and we say, she's blessed. But at the time, she didn't feel blessed, did she? So here's the thing. Even though you may not feel blessed, you are blessed because God says you are. In Ephesians chapter 1, the scripture says that God has blessed us with what? Every, every heavenly blessing in the spiritual realms. Notice it's past tense. It's already done. We're not blessed because we're better than others. We're blessed because God has said we're blessed. So even in your circumstances and your suffering, there may be someone here that's suffering with depression. I want you to know in spite of your circumstances, as a believer, you are blessed. There may be someone that's physically suffering today. And maybe like Mary, you can look beyond your suffering and say, one day God will heal me. I don't know when. But as a believer, whether here or there, there is a glorified body awaiting me. Between now and then, some, sometime, God's going to supernaturally touch me. I am blessed. So having Mary's faith allows you to look beyond your circumstances and back to your Savior. Amen. So the great reversal, all generations will call me blessed. So verse 49, read with me. It says, for he who is mighty has done great things for me. And holy is his name. So I want you to notice that because God is mighty, he can do great things for you. When you magnify your problem, it seems overwhelming. But when you magnify God, it seems as though he can do anything. And folks, he can do anything. And notice it says God is holy. Because God is holy, he's going to work out all things. Now, a lot of times when people are suffering, a question even as believers we ask, is God punishing me? How many of you have ever heard anybody ask that question? I've heard a lot of people. Is God punishing me? I want you to know that as a believer, this is for believers I'm talking to, Jesus took all of your punishment on the cross. So for God to punish you after Jesus took the punishment, that would not be holy of God. So we do reap consequences, the law of the harvest, but that's not God punishing you. Jesus took all your punishment. So when you look at that, you can say God is holy. He's just. But it brings up the question, why are bad things happening? Do we forget that we live in a fallen world? Do we forget this is not heaven yet? Do we forget that the the best life is yet to be? Scripture reminds us that God is working all things together for what? For good. Even in a world that seems bad sometimes, he's working it out. He showers mercy on those who fear him. Look at verse 50. His mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. The idea of fearing God is not to live in an unhealthy terror of God. The fear of God is having such a reverence and respect, you don't take God lightly. You realize that he is almighty, he is powerful, and I don't want to take him flippantly. This this is a holy respect. And because I respect him, I fear him. Because I fear him, out of love, I try to serve him. And if you look in your listening guide, this same theme is in the Psalms. Psalm 103, 17 and 18, it says, But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him, and his righteousness to his children's children, to such as keep his covenant, and to those who remember his commandments to do them. So the way I explained it, and I gave this story a while back, you guys, some of you remember the story. One time, Gabriel was acting way out of control. It it happened sometimes in her house. Kira's like, I remember... 
like yesterday, right? Well, this was a while back, and I think the kids were going to have ice cream that day. And Gabriel was acting way out, and he deserved correction. He deserved loving discipline. But instead of getting discipline, he got forgiven, and he got to eat ice cream. And I use that to describe the difference between grace and mercy. Mercy is not getting the discipline that you deserve. And grace is getting the ice cream that you don't deserve. Right, Claire Evelyn, you're listening to that. That sounds good. I don't do that all the time, but in that particular instance, that was an illustration. So when God's mercy is sent in Christmas, when we think about it, Jesus came to take the punishment that we deserve. We deserve to die for our sins. To get to heaven, you have to be perfect. And last time I checked, none of us, myself included, are perfect. But not only does he forgive us, he saves us, he fills us with his Holy Spirit, he blesses us with every spiritual blessing, he calls us chosen, he calls us loved, he, he creates a purpose for us. Did you know that everybody in here has destiny in your DNA? You know, we talk about DNA scientifically. If you're a believer, you have destiny in your DNA. God's got a plan for you. And that's, that's the grace of God. So when Mary sings out his mercy, he showers from generation to generation. But there's another divine reversal. One day the lowly will be exalted. Look at verse 52. He has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. The idea behind that, being humble, as many have said, humility is not thinking less of yourself. Humility is thinking of yourself less. Humility is not being unaware of how God's blessed you and your gifts, abilities, talents. Humility is being aware of it. But instead of using it to exalt yourself, you use it to build up God's kingdom. So a lot of times we think of humility as saying, woe is me, I'm nothing. That's, that's false humility. Humility is realizing anything good, where does it come from? It comes from God. And anything good I have, I'm going to use it to build up God and others, not myself first. It's like the old acrostic we learned in Sunday school, joy, say it with me, Jesus, others, and then yourself. That's when you can experience the joy of the Lord. So James 4.10 says it like this. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. You don't know the timing of it. You don't know when. But in God's timing, if you humble yourself, he will lift you up. As, as we've said before, if you're humble, you'll avoid the stumble. If you're humble, you'll avoid the stumble. So it brings us to our next part of the divine reversal under point two. God humbles the proud. In verses 51 through 53... It talks about how God's strong arm is there to scatter the prideful. And this is talking to the men. We talked to some of the ladies and a few of the guys about the Hallmark movies. But for some guys, you ever notice that sometimes women really enjoy the church, but some men, it's hard for guys to sing and connect. You ever notice that? Sometimes men, it's, it's harder to connect with, with certain things, and we struggle sometimes. Part of that is, think about some of the things we talk about. Being clothed in a white dress. As a guy, is that hard for you to imagine being a bride of Christ? You, you think about those concepts and you're like, what? But it's true. It's a reality. It's collectively. But here's something for you guys. It talks about God's strong arm. So one day, hopefully, we'll relate to the wedding illustration. You ladies relate to the wedding dress. But to you guys, that's hard to relate to. I want you to think about God's strong arm. One day, those people who have abused their power, the abusive boyfriends, the abusive husbands, the people that were wrong and the people that have hurt you unjustly, people have been abused and mocked and wounded by this world, many of us. 
One day God will correct that with his strong and mighty arm. Amen. All the guys said, amen, or one of those two. It's okay to grunt, man, if if you don't want to say amen. You can say, all right. I, I, I can interpret that as yes, Lord. But one day he will do that. Look at the next verse, 53. It says, he has filled the hungry with good things. Now, here's just a little Christmas thought. Have you ever given something that you didn't really enjoy? It was a nice thought, but the gift is like, what? You know, why was this given? Well, here's the thing. When it comes to Christmas, if you have the ability, if God lays on your heart to help somebody, give them something that's good, something that they'll like. So if it's a poor family and you're going to buy them some groceries, buy them good groceries. Don't buy them food you won't eat. Think about it. If you can buy them their kids' toys, buy their kids good toys. Because their father is a good father and he gives good gifts. I'm not saying spend beyond your means. I'm saying if you wouldn't eat it, if you wouldn't wear it, don't get it for someone else. I joked with the first service and I said this is, sometimes I give self-deprecating stories, but this is true. My wife's like, don't share it. But uh, I, when we were first married, I used to buy these presents. And my wife's like, Timothy, uh, you bought me this, but that's something you like. Why did you buy it for me? And I'm like, oh, Timothy, that's the kids. That's fun. You bought a basketball, but the kids don't play basketball yet. And I realize, I, I hate to confess it, but I was buying stuff I would want. And my wife said, that's not a present. That's like giving you a gift in disguise. So when you give stuff, give good things that you would like, but not for you. It's more blessed to give than to receive. How many of you have done that? Don't raise your hand. They're like, ah, honey, I got you this beautiful present. I think you like that, honey, but I don't like that. So give good gifts. All right, I digress. Side note. So continue on. It says, he has helped his servant Israel in remember of his mercy. That brings us to point number three. Christmas shows us a display of God's love and mercy upon humankind. When you think about Christmas, the entire narrative of the Bible is it's all about God, but it's all about God's love for you. You think about the story of creation. You have creation, and then you have devastation, and then you have restoration. If you want the Bible in three words, we talked about this a few weeks ago. The subject matter is God, but the themes are creation, devastation, and restoration. God is all about restoring that which is broken. You ever notice that? So in verse 54, when it says you've helped your servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, it takes us back to Genesis. From Genesis 3 on, the world was fallen and the world was plagued in darkness. But as one poet once said... The darker the night, the brighter the stars shine. The darker the night, the brighter the stars shine. And folks, we live in a dark world. But you know what? As dark as this world gets, you and I are to shine brighter than ever. So Christmas is about God's mercy. It's about his light invading this world, this planet, in order to change it. And look at verse 55 when we close this verse. And as he spoke to her father's, And to Abraham and his seed forever. So the promise of Christmas is God helps his people. And the hope of Christmas is who? Who are we talking about? Jesus. So today we covered three main topics here. We covered when God moves in the midst of your madness, your soul will burst out with jubilant praise. 
So I challenge you to allow Christmas. Some of us are depressed, anxious, stressed out. But remember, if you focus on God looking down, you magnify him. Your problems are minimized. But if you start with your problem, your circumstances, and they're magnified, God seems really small. So like Mary, start with God. My soul magnifies the Lord. Number two, we talked about in a world that appears hopeless, Christmas brings hope again. Some of you may be one minute away from your miracle. Some of you are on the precipice, precipice of a promise of God and you're just on that cliff. And if you'll just trust, he'll catch you. He'll catch you from falling. And number three, Christmas shows us the display of God's love and mercy upon humankind. So when we talk about songs of glad tidings, I want us to show it. And remember, if you if God leads you to help someone that's poor or needy, when you give a gift, if you're able to give what kind of gift? A good gift. Your sermon in a sentence is this. The life that is full of Jesus is a life that is full of hope. If you want your Christmas to be a Merry Christmas, not an M-E-R-R-Y, but an M-A-R-Y, Merry, meaning we're, we're rejoicing because of what God has done. Have Jesus at what? The heart of it all. Let us pray. Father, we've talked a lot about our view and our perspective. And Lord, we're reminded that our theology should impact our biography, our life. And that should flow to doxology, to praise. So Lord, help us to start with God first and not our circumstances or a problem. Right now as we pray, there no one looking around. There may be a believer here that would say, Timothy... This message is for me. Christmas is usually depressing, blue, sad, a really hard time of the year. Just pray for me that I will focus this season, this Christmas season, on the reason, Jesus. That he will be magnified in my view and all my problems and circumstances would minimize. If that's you, raise your hand. Raise my hand with you. Father, you see each person, each hand. I pray that we would focus on you, the true reason. And we would worship and adore. Just like Mary burst forth in jubilant praise. We would sing, oh God, my soul magnifies you. You're my savior. You're my redeemer. You exalt the lowly. You humble the haughty. Thank you, Lord. As the believers continue to pray, there may be one here today that you've never made Jesus the center of your life ever. And maybe the greatest Christmas gift you could receive is the greatest gift of all, accepting Jesus as Lord and Savior. It's believing that Jesus died on the cross. He was buried. He was in the ground for three days. And then he rose again to victory. And if you place your faith in him, friend, the Bible says that you will have forgiveness of sin and you will have hope and joy in this life. Pray this prayer if you've never received Jesus. Jesus I realize that you're the Savior and I need forgiveness. I'm a sinner. I believe that you died on the cross and you rose again for me. Jesus, I want to make you my Lord, my Savior. So please come into my life. Change me from the inside out. And Jesus, thank you for forgiving me of all my sins. I want to follow you from now and forevermore. Father, thank you for hearing our prayers. I pray that our big takeaway would be this. When you're at the center of it all, we too can have a Merry Christmas. 
In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's children said, Amen. Friends, if you'd stand, we're going to have our closing song of invitation. Our prayer team will be at the front. I'm going to ask uh, Miss Judy and myself will be at the front. If you have any prayer needs, if there's some physical concerns of healing, if you have people in your family that are struggling, uh, we'll meet you right here at the front. So sing with us.